Oh, I think we're recording. Oh my god. Oh my god. I did not know uh I did not know that's how this works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going so well. This yeah. is going so well. Uh welcome to episode 007 of Well That's Interesting. I'm Jill Chacha, but most importantly, <laughs> I am with the I I am reunited uh over clearly not in the same room because we're using <laughs> various technologies to make this episode happen. I'm with Marissa Riley. Oh my gosh, hello! <laughs> I'm here. I'm I'm so happy to be reunited with my fellow podcast host, Miss uh, Miss Jillian Chacha. Ooh, the best ooh, on ooh, the own full name, full name, yeah. all the letters, all the like syllables. You- all the syllables you added the vowel like the fucking vowels and shit everyone's vowels are so out of fashion that's how happy i am to be recording with you you're adding vowels excellent (laughs) (laughs) uh welcome back everybody um yeah episode uh the previous episode was a very in-betweeny and it kind of confused some people uh in terms of the title because i recorded it and called it one thing and i named it another uh long story short it's it's not like splitting atoms i kept making different series <laughs> like maybe it should be a separate series if i do one alone it's not it's just an in-betweeny and i just kept it an in-betweeny and it's in betweeny four and it's fantastic it's a countdown of the strongest creatures uh it's got animals it's got insects it's got snakes it's got i don't want to give it away i don't want to give it away so you should listen but it's good. I loved it. I loved it so much I listened to it twice. And I was like, this is a good podcast. Oh, oh. Did you well, thank you for listening. Podcast? We also... <laughs> <laughs> you should become a monthly supporter. <laughs> Speaking of which... Can I support my own podcast? I, I'm already <laughs> planning on buying all of the merch. Oh, yeah. No discounts. So oh, yeah. The merch <laughs> store is happening. Uh, but what is currently happening is... Uh, you could be a monthly supporter, just like our first two monthly supporters. Monthly supporters! Thank you! That's right, Max and Roberta. Max, Max and, and Roberta are our first monthly supporters. Go to anchor.fm slash support, hit that support button, and you could uh, help us uh, do this now remotely, because life life is happening, and uh, we are now in different states, and you know bear with us folks you're you're the best you keep coming back and listening and supporting us um and we love you yeah and yeah we're apart currently because uh my mom is battling cancer i had to come here a little last minute it's it's been a hard non-stop road of, of caretaking and hospitals and covid tests um so i haven't been able to record in a while but we're here now. We carved out some time, and I am so happy to take a quick break and uh, and listen and talk and just you know Aww. hang out do, hang do out that. with Jillian. <laughs> every syllable, every vowel. Ah, oh, my God! Um, it's so great to do this again, and we'll find a schedule. We'll make this work. We'll we always make it work, uh, and it's really. I'm not strange or ironic or just how the universe works is that this episode was designed or I should say written for, uh, to talk about medical procedures. So. Yes. And let me tell you, uh, uh, Jillian, oh, oh stop. <laughs> I love using your phone. Jill has been like teasing this episode to me 
four weeks. <laughs> And I have been so pumped. And then uh, and then finally today, I was like, drop everything. We have to do the episode. So here we are. We're doing it. We're doing it. God damn it. Yeah, the universe is strange. Um, Max, who is our first monthly supporter, uh, he actually sent in a fact as well. And his fact is in Rwanda, African hospitals uh, in Rwanda, Africa, of course, uh, hospitals can request blood for transfusions with a WhatsApp message. Uh, what? It then gets delivered within minutes by a self-flying drone. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Life-saving shit. Life-saving. It's uh, incredible. It's incredible. It's the complete opposite of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> this is everything I want to talk about today. Uh, either killed or at least did some harm. You know, it's uh, it, it's the opposite of a of of uh, just science. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh God, yeah. So we're going to talk about ten medical practices that uh, no longer exist, thankfully, and uh, how they all came about to be because uh, they didn't just pop out of thin air. We, we we have to understand why we do horrible things to each other. <laughs> hopefully, yes. we learn from it. I would love to try to understand half the things <laughs> that are going on in the world, but I'm down for these medical procedures first. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do 10. We're going to talk about 10 cures and we're going to start big. We're going to start big. Our first cure is smoking cigarettes. Oh God. That's how you cure yourself. Yes. Oh God. In the late 19th century or the late 1800s, Old-timey grifters advertised in old-timey newspapers about the miracle of the cigarette. Disembodied smoking heads would float within text proclaiming a pack could relieve asthma, hay fever, foul breath, diseases of the throat and lungs, uh, head colds, canker sores, bronchial issues. You name it, you fucking light up, you're going to be all right by the end of the day. Yeah. So now, like I said, this shit doesn't happen in a vacuum. Way, way, way back in the day, sounds that hopefully are being recorded because this is the first time we're doing this. So way back in the 15th century, the 1400s, the Nicotiana or the tobacco plant was observed to be used by the indigenous people in North and South America. Now, that was observed by the colonial pieces of shit, who, uh, of course, stole the plant, took it to Europe, uh, where its use was, should I say, not clearly understood by the white people there. Mm-hmm. In fact, the name tobacco was applied to the plant in error. Tobacco was the name of the cane pipe used by the indigenous folks, uh, which wasn't actually used to smoke or inhale, but it was used as aromatherapy. Oh, God. I like how this story immediately starts with stealing and uh, <laughs> and misuse of words, like That's... inability to read the fine print, inability to do any research. Oh, no, yeah, no. And this, just what... straight up theft. The, uh, the confidence of mediocre white men. I think yeah. I think that's a phrase we've we've heard a lot. That's, that's, that's what's <laughs> happening here. Um, OK, so they named they, they named the plant the wrong fucking thing. Uh, it's actually named after the cane pipe, which 
has like two little branches coming out of it. Uh, that's so you could like stick it up your nose and inhale it and use it as aromatherapy. Fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, in- <laughs> <laughs> Anything up my nose, I'm happy with it. Um- <laughs> Don't do drugs. In Cuba, uh, more examples of not smoking. Um, the tobacco was wrapped inside a burning torch to ward off disease, probably caused by mosquitoes. Uh, was war- uh, it was burnt to ward off fatigue, so to keep you awake. Uh, some folks even mixed the tobacco plant with lime or chalk uh, to use as a toothpaste. So the oh. yeah, exactly. The plant wasn't always used just to fucking get your fix after every meal. Yeah. So from so from the 1500s to the 1700s. Uh, white folks went to town using the tobacco <laughs> <laughs> using the tobacco plant for every damn ailment, with no actual scientific studies because scientific studies did not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was considered a success story was basically just hearsay because I did it; it must work. That type of thing. Yep. 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 Um, so it was a hearsay until about the early 1800s when "quote unquote" technology began to emerge. Uh, enough technology that uh, the element nicotine was isolated from tobacco uh, in 1828. Uh, oh. And isolating it, doctors got a doctors also air quote. <laughs> doctors. <laughs> sure. 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 Let's, uh, let's go with that. Uh, so it's 1828. They isolate this part of the tobacco plant and they're like, Y'all, this is addictive and dangerous as fuck. We really need to do something about this. We need to make gazillions of dollars. <laughs> ah, that's it's a, if it's addictive, we're rich. <laughs> uh-huh. So keep that in mind. Uh, today we know quite a bit about smoking. It causes about three million preventable deaths a year. God. Um, three million, yes. Uh, now when tobacco leaves are burned, the smoke contains four thousand chemicals. Wow. Yeah. So you're inhaling wow. 4,000 chemicals, one of them being nicotine, oh which it, in small doses is addictive and it's yes. toxic. Um, now, here's where what you just so aptly put, uh, you know, making it lucrative. Um, here's where white grifters in the late 1800s took advantage of both the public's lack of knowledge and the lack of oversight of what their product claims um so let's step back for a minute when you do smoke tobacco there are effects uh when you inhale it smoke passes to every organ the brain and nervous system is stimulated by small doses but it's depressed by larger ones and nicotine increases your heart rate and your blood pressure and even the practice of smoking might have psychosomatic effects like stress stress relief uh, you even bring it upon yourself, for example, that it feels good to still light up. Yeah. Can we take a pause? Someone's at the door. Oh, that. The, 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 uh, let's do it. Products. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. Everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. Oh, we're back. We're so back. Uh, So sorry about that. My (laughs) mom's childhood best friend decided to drop by and bring us cornbread and talk to us for a long time about the zucchini she was cooking. So... (laughs) I had to take a pause because she wouldn't stop knocking on the door. Anyways, we're so, back. So, uh, smoking cigarettes is brought to you by uh, cornbread. That's great. <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. I love that so much. <laughs> she said that she didn't use the box mix and that she made it the old-fashioned way. Ooh. She didn't That's use cool. the jiffy mix. So, old-fashioned cornbread. <laughs> That's oh my god! Great I'm so job. jealous. I'm so jealous. You should be. I'm so pumped. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Uh, well, where were we? We're talking about, um, uh, we're talking about smoking cigarettes. Okay. So, um, back in the late 1800s, the actual physical effects and the possible mental effects were interpreted, were interpreted as successful cure-alls. Um, and immediate pain relief. You know, you just have to ignore all the late-term problems that came with smoking uh it just felt really good uh while you were smoking now businessmen hopped on the bandwagon investing in the newly invented cigarette rolling machine in oh, 18... no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> wonderful Sponsor. in 1880 these bad boys rolled out 120,000 cigarettes in 10 hours wow. 120,000 cigarettes in yeah. 10 hours now uh speaking of stress World War I breaks out, uh, conveniently, in 1914. Uh, in the face of imminent death, soldiers got free 
or subsidized oh let's try that again subsidized cigarettes from the government distributing billions distributing billions of free cigarettes between 1914 and 1918 which successfully got a generation hooked wow yes oh my god Uh uh-huh you give give, uh, it's like you give them food and poison that's crazy did they even Mm -hmm. give them food i hope so world war one there was probably bullets in the food (laughs) that's pretty bad (laughs) it was a it was a a horrible i i highly uh we should do an episode on the absolute just horrific horrific world war one was uh yeah so to deal with the stress they and uh seeing your friends blown apart by machines you've never seen before the government gave you cigarettes to deal with it uh, and soldiers returned home and brought their addictions with them smoking in society was normalized and once again businessmen hopped on the bandwagon advertising uh, advertisements appeared uh, in newspapers, like I said, but featuring fake doctors promoting health benefits. Uh, with men addicted, they turned to the female market and thus began in the 1920s a targeted ad campaign towards, you guessed it, a woman's weight. Oh, That's right, no. That's right ladies. There's a cure for your appetite, and it's oh. called smoking. It, uh, it, it, you know... That's awful. If you're, if you want to prey upon one thing, it's, it's women and our insecurity about weight. That is a great way to make so much money. I can't believe. Mm -hmm. I can't believe. Yes. Feasting on insecurities was uh, the cigarette business, number one business, I think, uh, because we're all familiar with the absurd ad campaigns of the 1940s and 1950s. We're all aware of how cigarettes made housewives happier and dad more masculine. Oh, uh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all aware of how the ridiculous billboards of the 1970s and 1980s convinced men that smoking increased their manhood and turns you into a cowboy. We're all aware of the cartoon characters, like the leather jacket-toting camels in the 1990s telling children, children, the last untapped market, that, hey, we've got a cure. We've got a cure for your unpopularity. All you got to do is smoke. Okay. Okay. Quick pause. Yeah. I, it worked on me when I was <laughs> a kid. I, of course. Children, child cigarettes worked on me. And uh, when I was 16, 17, 18, Camel came out with cigarettes that had um, pink designs on them, like mm. hot pink, like, um, you know, like a little girl pink color. Wow. And uh, and I thought they were so cute. And they came in this little black and pink package that looked like something a 14 year old would buy it like hot topic completely fell for it. And wow. then and then I think what, like seven years of smoking, <gasps> seven, eight years of smoking later, I finally quit. But isn't that wild? Uh, uh, it, the colors got you. It fucking worked. The packaging. There you go. So, it, it just looks so cute. It looks so cool. End of uh, end of anecdote. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just smiling at how cute you must have looked. <laughs> well, uh, somehow getting your little hands on a package of cigarettes in uh, Texas. Yeah. Oh yeah, in Texas. Yeah. Um, how much did they cost? Do you remember? Five, five bucks. Five bucks. Four to that's, five bucks. That's nothing. Disgusting, right? Oh wow. Okay. Um, so let's see. Okay. So yes, the 1990s, 
Mercer Riley smoking, and that perhaps is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> um, it wasn't until 1998, over a century of bullshit, the four largest U.S. tobacco companies finally admitted that their marketing was misleading and that their products were designed to get you hooked until you died. Yep. Turn page. Oh, the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that was a century of cigarette smoking being a cure-all. Uh, my sources for this were... Um, uh, my sources were the Journal of the Royal Society and Wikipedia. Nice. Uh, that's wonderful. So let's talk about something a little bit uh, more lighthearted. Uh, let's talk about heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Yumsies. <laughs> How, sorry, I told you I'd start. What problems is that going to solve? <laughs> Actually, I know morphine does solve some problems, but yeah. for a majority of people who take it, creating <laughs> more problems. I'm lot wagging of my wagging. finger. A lot of finger <laughs> wagging here. <laughs> Over the Zoom. Oh, uh, yes. Our number two cure-all, once upon a time, was heroin. Oh, God. Yes. So how did this, a lot of, you know, it, it's a fun fact a lot of people like to bring up, uh, but how did it happen? Oh. Oh, yeah. It's a good oh. one. Uh, it's the same goddamn century, the 1800s. They were they were a shitty time, shitty, 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 shitty. Time. We are we are everything we're dealing with now actually feels like it's because of the 1800s. It's, it's worth looking into. Uh, but we're going to talk about heroin right now. The late 1800s. Um, not only were cigarettes promoted as painkillers, but so were opiates. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot of parallels between uh, what we just spoke about. Except where uh, the grifting businessmen were hacking cigarettes, doctors, air quotes, were prescribing opiates. Now, uh, boy howdy, nothing changes. My sources here, uh, the SmithsonianMag.com, and an article called Inside the Story of America's 19th Century Opiate Addiction. By 1895... Morphine and opium addiction affected roughly fucking okay. Okay, get this. Okay. Opium and sorry, opium and morphine addiction affected one in two hundred Americans. That's yeah. That's a whole bunch. Uh-huh. That's a and whole the, and the reason, like cigarettes, can be traced back to war. Oh, here we go again. Uh-huh. During the American Revolution continental and british uh soldiers uh they were drugged up um uh they're surviving they're wounded uh doctors had no real cures for anything and all we really had was pain management so if you were dying for any reasons um doctors were like you know what let's go with what we know and all we know is opium and the soldier seems really happy with it at the time so uh for a century Opiates were used on the general public uh, until it really, really ramped up for the Civil War. Uh, That's right. (laughs) uh, Yeah, the 1860s really set off America's love affair with getting high. The Union Army issued 10 million opium pills to its soldiers, not counting an additional 2.8 million ounces of opium powders and tinctures. And just as with the generation hooked on cigarettes after World War I, 
these soldiers had their own crisis. And they brought it home. It became normalized. And opiates then made up 15% of all prescriptions in the Boston, no. yeah, in the Boston area of 1888. Boston. 15, 15% of all prescriptions were opiates. Oh, my God. That's and, right. And people were, like, working and, like, going out. Yeah. They were. <laughs> leaving their homes. Worse staying in their homes mm-hmm. what a disaster like yeah. and, and everyone everyone at this point is also like wasted too so can you imagine like mixing those things so casually everyone yeah. must have been in a blackout yeah I yeah it's like the industrial revolution is happening people are using um heavy machinery yeah. every photo you see of someone out on a ledge and the skyscraper, it's probably because they're on something. <laughs> oh, my God. To get through the day because really there's no medical care. There was no, you know, workers' rights. And so you had to manage the pain. Here, blackout. You know, <laughs> oh, you're not feeling good. Uh, here's some, you're just uh, straight up blackout for three days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, uh, so the whole damn country was traumatized by war. And by 1890, opiates were sold unregulated in the medical marketplace. No. Uh, Again, no real cures or even basic understanding of, say, women's bodies. Yeah. Male doctors turned to morphine to basically, quote unquote, cure everything, even like menstrual cramps. Okay. And yep. (laughs) by 1890, 60% of addicts were women. Wow. Really? Uh, mm Mm-hmm. Well, I would have to say if, if like, if you were giving me that for pain management, I would do anything for pain management when it comes to cramps, anything. Yeah. So now remember by 1895, one in 200 Americans had an opiate problem. Wow. And probably smoking problem. (laughs) Yep. 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 And yeah, there were some other advances in science. There are that there vaccines were up and coming. There were x-rays, even aspirin. Oh, in 1899. Yeah, right? That that helps cramps, but no. But um, no. Yeah. But 1899, that shit's too late, man. Uh, white people are ending up in jails. And oh, God, what a society to do when that happens. <laughs> so enter a little company called Bear. Oh, mm. I know what you're about to. I know. <laughs> Continue. I'm excited. Okay. Very exciting. <laughs> Let's go back a little. 1874. Heroin is invented by C.R. Wright, and he called it diamorphine. It was later nicknamed heroin based on the German word heroisch, meaning hero- heroic. Mm. <laughs> this caught the company's attention, who mass produced and branded this hero as a godsend for coughs and colds in 1898. Bear suggested its heroin could be mixed with sugar or brandy. And you take a swig, and like I said, you go operate some heavy machinery um, at your factory job because there's no paid time off or workers' rights. So you're on heroin, you know. And brandy. And brandy. (laughs) (laughs) You take a swig Uh, of those things at 9 in the morning. Probably like 4 in the morning because you're on your way to your 7 a.m. job or whatever. (laughs) Every, every, like, finance bro is like, what? What's the problem (laughs) What's the problem? I don't understand. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. So for some goddamn reason, the St. James Society males 
free samples of heroin to morphine addicts. I'm sorry, can you hear that on the mic? Could you hear the the baseball? Here, one more time, one more time. Can you hear it? (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. That was, uh, put a frame around that. Uh, So they mailed free samples of heroin to morphine addicts in 1900. By 1910, New York's Bellevue Hospital admits its first heroin addict. Whoa, okay. Mm -hmm. The number skyrockets to 425 in three years. The term junkie is coined possibly because the city's addicts made money by reselling scraps of junk metal. Hence junkie. By 1913, Bear's like, oh, shit, maybe heroin isn't a cure. Oh, shrug and stops production. Good. It takes the U.S. government 10 years after that and finally bans heroin production in 1924. 10 years? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh Uh-huh. And making it illegal does nothing. No. And it does nothing to address the millions of people who are already addicted. All it did was move production to the mob. That's right. And in 1930, we have the birth of the underground, very lucrative business of heroin in our country, the United States. Lucky Luciano making his fortune thanks to to this. Thanks to to everything I just said. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. Head head in hand. Mm Mm-hmm face and hand oh yeah so oh but for realsies we're gonna do a, a light-hearted one uh we're gonna talk <laughs> but for realsies my new favorite segue is but for realsies <laughs> let's talk about number three vin mariani vin mm. mariani vin mariani was a cocoa wine and a, a medicinal cure created in the 1860s Mm. By Angelo Mariani, a mm. French chemist from the island of Corsica. Yes. He became intrigued by coca okay. after reading about its stimulating effects in a paper and thought, wouldn't it be great if we ingested it in a really quick and tasty way? For and sure. By co- <laughs> and by coca. <laughs> and by coca, I mean cocaine. <laughs> I had no idea it was like I started off in, in France. That's so fancy. Oh, fancy. Uh, off the island of Corsica? Oh my God. Yes. How fancy. Please. Who doesn't want to be doing that right now? <laughs> Sorry. I, I would. I Cocaine would that in life. Corsica? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Sign me up. I'm kidding. You know, it's, you know, the Kardashians are ending their show. We should just start a show called Cocaine in Corsica. Cocaine. Keeping up with Cocaine in Corsica. <laughs> A-K-U-C-I-C. There you go. There's the acronym. (laughs) Hashtag it. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So between 1863 and 1868, Angelo mixed Bordeaux wine and coca leaves to create Vin Mariani, a French tonic wine. Uh, What's in it? Let's take a look. Now, uh, the booze originally had six milligrams of cocaine per fluid ounce mm-hmm. uh, but that changed to 7.2 milligrams milligrams per ounce uh, because my favorite fact here <laughs> is because so they had to up the amount of coke in the booze 
because <laughs> because drinks in the United States were already mixing cocaine in their cocktails. Of course, of course we were. We we're like, um, sorry, we're already doing this. Um, you're gonna have to get with it, Angelo. Get with um... it, Angelo, in fucking Corsica. <laughs> Uh, so to compete, Mariani had to up the dosage, and he also needed a really good ad campaign. So he marketed the booze as a way to increase your energy, increase your appetite, increase your mood. It was promoted as a performance enhancer for creatives and athletes, uh, and he designed colorful, really beautiful posters, uh, please give it a Google, uh, of dancers and actors all taking a swig and getting down in a furious jig with the had to cause many injuries. Uh, beautiful posters. <laughs> he also, Mariani also solicited testimonials, something very new for the time. Um, he reached out to European celebrities, royal family members, and even popes. Wow. He even, yes, he even got Pope Leo Thirteenth and Pope St. Pius hooked on his multiple, booze multiple popes on coke multiple yep. popes on coke that's a great name for a band it's a great name for a band put it on a tote okay. <laughs> popes on a tote <laughs> i i think i think we have something for the merch store <laughs> oh lord if anyone out there knows how to draw a pope on coke Submit your uh, drawing to well, that's interesting. Pod at Gmail. Do <laughs> I would try for that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, we'll cut the proceeds, and uh, we'll we'll uh, put it towards going to Corsica <laughs> <laughs> and getting the fuck out of here. Oh God, um, I have to I have to step away really really quickly. But can I come Let's right back? All Let's right, talk about more products. Hell yeah. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. We're back. We are so back. So sorry. I had to step away. Help the mom for a second. Being a caretaker is a 24-7 full-time job. That's right. And it should be paid. And it should be Someone paid a paid me. gig. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm getting paid in love. Uh, well, you know, hit that support button, y'all. Hit that support button. So there you go. This. Support a cancer <laughs> caretaker. That's right. I'm tired. And all I've been eating is pasta, which actually is Ooh, great. That's great. I've been really enjoying it. Girl, eat all that fucking pasta. Oh, I will. Get all that pasta. And if you're Pope Leo, get all that Coke. Get all get that Coke all that wine. Coke, Pope Leo. Pope Leo, uh, he loved this shit so much that um, Mariani actually put Pope Leo on a goddamn post, uh, poster endorsing the wine. I want that poster right now. <laughs> right now. I'll look it up. I'll see if I can um, get it on our Instagram. That'll, that'll, that'll be, be fucking amazing. So, yeah, he uh, it's Pope Leo endorsed. And the Vatican 
even gave him a medal, ladies and gentlemen. My God. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant admitted to coking out on the stuff uh, to finish his uh, memoirs. And the asshole Thomas Edison said uh, it helped him stay awake possibly long enough to steal all the things so so these testimonials oh my god so i'm gonna get back to that vin mariani is still sold today uh head to vinmariani.fr sponsor us vinmariani.fr and the home page to this day flouts pope leo's gold medal and a limited (laughs) wow they're still rocking the medal they're still rocking the metal. Um, let's see. So the homepage also offers a limited edition Pope Leo the Thirteenth bottle for eight hundred euros, um, and it looks like today's production of In Mariani is made with uh, Corsican white wine and Bolivian coca leaf extracts. So get your fill, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, but extract is not the same as no. what used to be in it. No, not at all. I was going to say, is this an awesome loophole that we should be uh, ordering from? Oh, you know what? And that reminds me, I did a little bit of math. Um, the original, the OG Vin Mariani, um, bottles of wine, they're about 25.4 ounces or 750 milliliters. And if there's 7.2 milligrams of Coke in a bottle, we've got about 183 milligrams of Coke or two-tenths of a gram uh, in each bottle of wine, which was 16% volume, uh, volume alcohol by volume. So 16% uh, alcohol and point two two-tenths of a gram of Coke in each bottle. And it's probably like really good Coke that hasn't been cut with like stupid baby laxatives and stuff. So <laughs> oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Um, Yeah, so head over to their website and uh, do me a favor and click on, what is it? Um, Under the tab, The House of Coca Mariani, which is a great drag name. If you need a drag name, Coca Mariani is the shit. Hit that tab and you can look at a very, very long list of famous people who got addicted to Vin Mariani. Uh, It's uh, apparently, they enjoyed it. So... It sounds nice. It's not going to lie. It sounds nice. We've been in quarantine for two months. Cocaine wine. Fun. Again, please don't do drugs. Do drink wine, though, if you are of age. Of age and not driving. If you're of age and not sober. (laughs) Oh, God. This, I love this so much. I'm glad we can do this again. Me too. I was so giddy over like just talking about wine. What a lifesaver. Yeah. Uh, what isn't a lifesaver? <laughs> These segues today, they're killing me. They're fucking fire. Our number four cure all or a cure is, I swear to God, someone thought malaria could cause, could be a, be a cure for another disease malaria okay (laughs) okay but here's the thing i feel like there could be if it okay so obviously if it's on this list it's a disaster but i feel like if it had worked i can i feel like there would be some cool science behind it 
I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a scientist. So I think, I think Marissa saw my jaw drop a little bit when she said malaria could work. Stick with me, people. Um, okay. I would die. <laughs> oh, God. So the idea of using malaria to cure syphilis stemmed from the already existing fucking wacko method of pyrotherapy, oh, which God. is mm-hmm, deliberately... Bye. Deliberately uh, sustaining a high fever to kill what ails you on the inside. Uh, Traditionally, this was done with hot baths, warm air, or electric blankets. Uh, But a man named Julius Wagner Jureg brought this shit to a new and deadlier level. Syphilis was muy problemo in the early 20th century, and Julius was hell-bent on curing the fucking disease. Uh, It's literally the fucking disease. The (laughs) fucking disease. (laughs) Uh, Malaria was also a horrible disease, uh, but it caused a sweet, sweet fever, about 103 to 105 degrees Fahrenheit, that, mm, that Julius believed might do the trick. In 1917... He injected plasmodium uh, vivex malaria into patients with advanced syphilis. Doing Doing so induced a high fever, a fever he hoped would eradicate the uh, sapyroketal bacterium. Say it with me now. Sapyroketal. 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 Bacterium. Oh, God, it just keeps going. Uh, the <laughs> Treponema polydium. I don't know. Oh, wow. You're conquering these words, let me tell you. That, uh, that sounded sarcastic, but I was yeah. commending you. It, <laughs> I thought so there's, there's a spiroketal bacterium called Treponema pallidum. Anyway, this fucking vector is responsible for the uh, syphilitic, uh, syphilitic infection. And all the mental disorders that come with uh, syphilis. So this is what uh, this is what this is what gets into your brain. Oh, uh huh. So multiple rounds of treatment were used on people. I, again, I want to re- re- reiterate this: multiple rounds of treatment were used on people with the oh. idea, with the idea of, hey, you're gonna die anyway, so what's the harm? Oh so, my god. <laughs> Julius ran the study for three years, and toted success. But let's look at this success, shall we? Let's look at the numbers. Anywhere between 3 and 20% of patients died from the fever. Again, up to 20% of his patients died. What are we even doing, though? <laughs> you know? In 60% of the survivors, the syphilis returned. So, <laughs> so. Wait, that's, that's what we call uh, ending <laughs> you, yeah, you study. That's what we call. Okay, it didn't work. The end. But sh- shit was so bad before penicillin that this was considered a breakthrough. Oh my yeah, and Julius won the motherfucking Nobel Prize for Medicine in 1927. Yeah, even though 20% for of a, killing a bunch of people and B not, not hearing. Jeez. Okay. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> oh no, that's the end of number uh, number four. 
Um, I have to step out for one second, but can we resume in uh, right after some products and services? Oh, God. Let's, it will not be syphilis. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? <laughs> yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Go ahead, break it down, Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. And we're back. We're, we're so back. We're so back. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we lived through uh, having uh, malaria and syphilis at the same time, oh. and we're up to number five. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, we're in the creamy middle. Number five is the creamy middle, and in the creamy middle, I thought it was fitting to uh, talk about sitting inside a rotten whale carcass as a cure. If that's not creamy in the middle, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Our, so- our uh, source is, once again, smithsonianmag.com. Amazing. Tipping my hat off to that website. Gorgeous and beautiful. Uh, and uh, I also found an article. I love this. It, it, this is really one of the best titles of an article I've ever read. The prescription for rheumatism used to be to sit in a rotting well for 30 hours. That's the name. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like it's all you need to know, but I'll elaborate. It's like a freaking Mad Lib. I it doesn't even sound real. I, I are you making this up? I oh, wish you go to Smithsonian Mag right now. Is Smithsonian <laughs> Mag even real? I know it's real. I've been there, but it's... Oh, you know it's it's back. It's back in the goddamn 1896. Jeez, these 1800s are killing me. Actually, they killed they killed a lot of people. <laughs> It's 1896. The New York Times reported a man in Eden, Australia, uh, a man, he decided to jump into a beached whale while on a walk with his friends. Oh, my God. Wasted. <laughs> that's what I, that's, that's He's probably the next on... line I wrote. That's... <laughs> He's probably wasted on some coca wine, you know? There... <laughs> right? Just the freshest. Just the freshest heroin. <laughs> just the freshest heroin. Okay, his friends, disgusted and rightfully so, did not help him because, quote, the heat and the smell were too great. (laughs) So supposedly he finally emerged 30 hours later. And his lifelong struggle with rheumatism was miraculously cured. Uh, I think he's got more serious problems, but I digress. Anyway, the story goes out and it becomes 19th century viral. Turning my page. <laughs> That's my new favorite phrase. <laughs> 18th, 18th century viral. 18th century viral. So the story goes viral, making Eden the dead whale, Turkish bath capital of the world. Uh, yeah. So the process is simple. You cut a hole in a dead whale deep enough. <laughs> you cut a hole deep enough. For the patient to be lowered all the way in uh, until their head stuck out, and you stay there for a full day. The end. <laughs> oh my God, 
I don't know why, but when you were describing that, have you ever seen Dick in a Box? What a terrible. Yes. <laughs> it just made me think of step one. You cut a hole in a whale. Oh, Jesus. Famous thing I've ever said in the world. Okay, please continue. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody get what's his name on the horn. We'll make a new video. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> He's got nothing else to do. What the, hell, what the fuck is he <laughs> What is he doing? I think he's making sneakers or something right now. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I got a better idea. Sneakers. Who wears those anymore inside? <laughs> uh, okay. So number six, uh, let's stick with corpses. Mm. <laughs> how about, how about, eating human corpses as medicine pass 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 pass. oh god (laughs) yep for several hundred years peaking in the 16th century and 17th century of course europeans especially royalty priests and scientists all in quotes (laughs) (laughs) ingested remedies containing human bones blood and fat and of course, mummies. Oh, uh huh. They they did not ask, should you eat people? Nay, they questioned, what part of people should we eat? <laughs> oh no. You know, um, it's uh, relatively common knowledge. I think mummies were uh, from Egypt were stolen for generations, uh, some for display, but mostly to be ground up into tinctures to cure anything from internal bleeding to epilepsy. Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I just, for some reason, Whole Foods just popped into my mind, but. <laughs> I can see it. I can see, you know, those fancy bags where you get a cacao powder for your smoothies or they, whatever, or like matcha tea. That's well, it. Have like a mummy dust or whatever. Matcha tea is the new mummy. That's all it is. That's all it is, people. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Mix it with some almond milk. Bam. There you go. Here's and all your so- Sponsor us. If you're a mummy or if you're a matcha tea, sponsor the show. <laughs> sponsor us. We'll mix you with almond milk. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. Lost my place. Uh, we are talking about mummies. For less serious matters, other than epilepsy or internal bleeding, um, a local body, any dead body, would work just fine. Uh, prescriptions were basically written out as like cures like for example if you had a headache merely ground up some human skull and add it to a brew okay <laughs> just like king charles ii who drank something called the king's drops which is just bits of human skull in alcohol all right yeah <laughs> i just really know I feel like if someone like a like I feel like a smart person would try to tell me about this like honestly and be like I'd be like I have allergies and they'd be like you know what you should do okay so you get uh, a a nose like a human nose and that's the part where I would like be like okay <laughs> well like slowly backing out of the room and dialing nine one one on my phone in my pocket like yeah I, yeah I'm just worried yeah. The- the way human life was considered back in the day was uh, very interesting, to say the least. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So if you had a headache, grab, you know, just 
grab grab a local skull and grind it into uh, your local alcohol. Uh, for matters outside the body, uh, fat was best. German cool. doctors soaked. That's <laughs> yes, very cool. Human fat. German doctors soaked bandages in human fat for wounds and then rubbed fat directly into skin to remedy such things as gout. Okay. Uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's something. Um, blood was milked fresh as to maintain its vitality. In, 16th century, uh, in the 16th century, German-Swiss physician uh, Paraclesis. What a name. Who I, I, honestly though, if your name is Paraclesis, people are gonna believe you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think I'm gonna change my name to Paraclesis. I just want <laughs> to be trusted. <laughs> that is, I don't know. You're either gonna be a psychopath or a really cute dog named Paraclesis. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, please. <laughs> Uh, in this case, it's a, it's a psycho na- um, German Swiss physician who believed blood was best straight up from a live person, uh, okay. while a Franciscan apothecary sided with more of a marmalade that you could spread on something like bread, and then you ate. Now, what would the blood do for you? Okay, um, so that's a really good question. Human remains were considered potent because they contained our spirit. This was the belief. And by ingesting these parts, your spirit gained strength. Okay. If if they felt it was a blood disease by eating someone else's blood, you gained strength from them. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Here's uh, SmithsonianMag.com quoting Leonardo da Vinci somehow. So we'll just just say that this is... (laughs) Sure. So Leonardo da Vinci (laughs) once said, (laughs) quote, we preserve our life with the death of others in a dead thing infinite life remains which when reunited with the stomachs of the living it regains sensitive and intellectual life so it's like a win-win for everyone i guess it's like they're dead but they get to live on in you situation all right so that was like so so yes da vinci if da vinci says it it's got to be written somewhere that's okay. right backwards in a notebook <laughs> uh so let's uh just drop that for a minute and head to number seven uh where our source is of course wikipedia and we're going to talk about the the amazing cure-all radium water oh yeah fucking radium uh-huh. love it Let's head back to another type of crazy, the late 1800s. Um, it's, again, 1898, and Marie Curie is like, oh, shit, I discovered radium. Um, and- <laughs> That's exactly what she said. Quotes, exact quote. SmithsonianMag.com <laughs> quotes Marie Curie as saying, oh, oh shit. Um, <laughs> because this time period was the golden age of grifting, uh, may I introduce Harvard dropout and self-proclaimed doctor William J.A. Bailey. All right. Uh, now he, air quotes, invented what you might call the first energy drink. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, out of his home in East Orange, New Jersey. 
sorry, sorry. <laughs> William concocted something called Radithor. Wait, what? Say it again. Radithor. R-A-D-I-T-H-O-R. That's what it says on the label. You got it. <laughs> I love it. I, ha- I couldn't help myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, Radithor was triple distilled water. Okay. But triple okay. distilled water containing at least one micro curie of radium isotopes, 226 oh. and 228. Um, so... <laughs> Two for one. It's a twofer. Um, now, radium emits energy in the form of alpha and gamma rays. These particles break down tissue, causing cancer, kidney failure, and not good things. Um, but with no oversight, and this time being a capitalist free-for-all, free Radithor was sold for 10 years. No, oh, come on, you guys. Yep. Then again, we we sold, uh, I think, Four Loco for around that period of time. <laughs> so. right. Four Loco, Radithor. I mean, tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Radithor Rade uh, was sold between the years of 1918 and 1928 as a cure for uh, impotence and any mm. flaccid problems. It's an energy drink. Oh, Lord. One ounce bottles ran for $1, which was about $15 today. So it was super affordable, I guess. Sure. Uh-huh. Radithor's biggest fan was Eben Byers. He was an industrialist and amateur golfer. Uh, after breaking his arm, he turned to this shit for some reason, and he swore by it, um, even though arms... You know, heal when you put him in a cast. But he thought this did the thing that does the stuff. Um, he was probably dehydrated. And this sounds like mostly water. And <laughs> mostly water and two types of, two types of fucking uh, isotopes. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, now, Evan reportedly drank two bottles a day for three years. Oh, God. Which led to a very long, agonizing death. Uh, Byer's skeleton became Swiss cheese, basically. He developed holes in his skull and in his lower jaw to the point where he actually lost his lower jaw. Wow. Yeah. Ironically, even though he believed this cured his broken bone, it actually led to a series of bone-related illnesses, which led to his death in 1932. Ouch. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Byer's death did lead to something positive. Uh, the strengthening of the FDA and a ban on over-the-counter radiation medicines. Yay! Yay. Hands in the air. Yay. Um, uh, I'm not going to quote from this article, but I just wanted to read another great title of another great Please. piece of journalism. Uh, this is a Wall Street Journal article simply titled the radium water worked fine until his jaw came off. <laughs> That's the name of the article. Oh my God. And I was like, I don't have to quote anything from this. This is, this is, this. I love that. Please put that on a tote too. Merch store. <laughs> the radium water worked <laughs> fine until his jaw came off. We'll put that on a mug. That's... We'll put... <laughs> 
we should put that on one of the fancy water bottles that like oh my god that's so great that white women take to uh go hiking <laughs> oh that's a seller okay that's happening yeah. <laughs> that's happening oh lord have mercy that's wonderful oh uh, we're already up to eight can you believe it oh my god uh, this is a this is a, a quickie uh number eight uh speaking of putting weird things in your body let's talk about crocodile shit no <laughs> that was the most like raw noise i didn't mean to make that noise it just escaped my body let it out said. let it out just let it out it's good content it's good content um <laughs> crocodile shit according to naturalcycles.com the ancient egyptians and mesopotamians uh would mold crocodile dung into a block and um how do i put this insert it into the vagina as birth control no <laughs> just like don't no whose idea was this <laughs> i don't know um i don't know if it was to block sperm or the entire man i don't know what it was but it turns out people in the middle east also used elephant poo in the same way so it probably just makes everything smell so disgusting that no one wants to come near right you your body your house yeah so it worked so it worked so success number eight is ding. okay uh let's move on to number nine and we're gonna stay with the egyptians for a minute now they didn't eat people's teeth if they had a toothache for example uh instead they blended herbs and they mashed up dead mice okay okay now you just apply the mush to the painful spot and you're all set now, okay. so mice mush is what I call number nine, um, was, <laughs> <laughs> was very popular even up until the Elizabethan uh, era. Um, the Elizabethans used it for warts, mice mush. Uh, you cut a mouse in half okay. and, you, and you put that half of a dead mouse on your hand or whatever body that was unsightly, and I would assume that the dead mouse distracted people from the warts you had. That's... Yeah. I was about to say, like, what is the reasoning behind this one? And and then you answered it. I, I think of a question and you answer it. So... Uh, uh, do you want to... Is it a question that pops into your head what you did with the other half? <laughs> the mouse? It is now. <laughs> Great! So... With the other half, you could fry it, bake it into a pie, or a treat um, to cure whooping cough, measles, smallpox, or bedwetting. That's uh, okay. eat a mouse to cure those things. Eat a mouse a day, keep um, those things away. Dates. See, I wonder where that was from. <laughs> 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 and that was from, my source there was CBS News. Uh, an article, 15 Most Bizarre Medical Treatments Ever. And can you believe we are up to number 10 already? Oh, my God. Oh my God. We are up to number 10. And we're going to go full circle. We're going to go back to tobacco. Back, oh. back to tobacco. Back to tobacco. That's right. Hold on to your pants. 
we're going to talk about tobacco sn- smoke enemas. No. That's <laughs> right. No. No. It can go in your mouth. It can go in your ass. Tobacco. Yes, it can. Oh, <laughs> no. Of course, it, of course, this is number 10. <laughs> uh, so supposedly Europeans saw indigenous people of the Americas inject smoke into the butt with a tube for help in respiration. Now, in my heart of hearts, I truly do believe they did do this only because they knew white people would copy this and look like yeah. a goddamn fool. Intelligent. That's smart. I, I completely yes. believe it. And lo and behold, they were right. <laughs> So, amazing they were right and thus was born the tobacco resuscitation kit at a, yes exactly at a price of four guinea or 160 dollars in american money today okay you can blow smoke up your ass to cure colds abdominal cramps hernias typhoid fever and and smoke enemas can cure death all right i'd like to see that one done <laughs> That's right. actually i kind of don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna pass on that demo <laughs> that infomercial at three in the morning no. um uh what, what's uh, yeah okay so um in 1745 what a magical time 1745 Western scholar Richard Mead recommended these enemas as a way to resuscitate drowning victims. Wow. Apparently, his advice was taken seriously by the public. In 1746, legend has it, a married couple enjoying their time together ended tragically, with the wife drowned and the husband in shock, I'm sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. I'll, this, I love the imagery I get from this. On the advice of a nearby sailor, <laughs> happened to be unseen. Sure. By the advice of the sailor, the husband inserted the stem of the sailor's pipe into her ass. And he covered the bowl of the pipe with perforated paper okay. and blew hard into the bowl of the pipe so air would pass through the pipe into her ass and eventually into her body. Um I oh guess this God. would certainly wake anyone, and legend has it, she survived. <laughs> and then they broke up. And then, <laughs> and then she ran off with the sailor. <laughs> there you go. She's like, you know how to do things with different things. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh and... Oh, Mercer Riley, that is our 10 medical practices that no longer thankfully exist. Uh, but now you know where blown smoke up your ass comes from. There you go. There you go, Jillian Chacha. Oh, I God. Do- <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with your full name. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, let's see. Follow us on Instagram. Well, that's interesting. Pod. Uh, thanks to, uh, you probably heard, we have a jingle now. We have music from Raspberry Sounds. Thanks for hooking us up. Thank you. Marissa, anything you would like to plug? 
Um, my film, which we've been kind of periodically talking about, keeps getting into such cool festivals. I am so excited about it. I love it. It just premiered um, at the Austin After Dark Festival, I believe on Monday, uh, Monday or time, the 14th. And um, yeah, I'm just super proud of it. Go check out my Instagram, which is pretty short film. It's the handle. And um, I just added the link in bio is um, a list of all the festivals, tickets. A lot of them are online. And if you have a lot of free time and you're obsessed with horror films, this is a really cool place to see like up and comers. Not not necessarily just my film, but just a bunch of really cool ones. I'm yes. So excited to watch these. So uh, I, I just can't. I am just it makes me smile so hard to see your film go this far uh, and how we've documented your film throughout this podcast too. And then what was happening with it. <laughs> so, it's, it's so fun. It's, it's, I, it's yeah. really extraordinary. Um, yeah. Stay with us. I think we nailed this uh, remote stuff. So I think we did too. I hope you guys enjoy, you know, send us, send us some love and some comments. We'd love to hear. Yeah, please rate us stuff. on Apple. Uh, yeah. We love you. Uh, come on back and stay interesting please do